ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. Genuinely a pleasure to have your company for another episode. It's pretty crazy. There's, you know, what, 7.8 billion people on the planet. Um, you know, roughly 85% of them have their own podcast. And... <laughs> And you guys um, have been generous enough to share the next, you know, 45 minutes, however long this runs, um, with me in your ears. So thank you for choosing to listen uh, to the JBSE, even just for this little part of your life. And really, 45 minutes is a precious investment of your time. How's everyone doing? I hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Hope life is treating you uh, relatively kindly, <laughs> you know, um, whatever that means for you, however that looks for you. Hope you're well. Hope you're getting some sport in your life. Um, I definitely have been. I've been watching some um, hurling, been watching uh, some AFL women's, and I've also been watching the, the TV show um, Ballers. Uh, with Dwayne The Rock Johnson about um, uh, sort of a fictionalized series about NFL player agents and stuff. Good fun. Took me a little bit of, uh, to get into, I'll be honest. Took me a while to really, uh, for it to get its hooks in me. And now it has. We're almost finished season two. So um, that's a nice one that I've been watching with my partner. Today is another audio journal episode uh sort of uh, there's been a lot going on obviously the end of the nfl season the super bowl has happened in between when i last spoke to you uh, i had actually recorded a super bowl uh some some pre-super bowl thoughts the night before the super bowl uh sitting out in a in one of our back paddocks and sort of just yeah i guess thinking about what the super bowl m sort of meant meant to me uh, and the sort of narratives I'd be following, decided ultimately not to release it. Um, only because it sort of, I guess, skewed a little negative on a, on a number of things. And I understand it's a big day for a lot of people. It's a special day for a lot of people. And, you know, I watched it and, you know, mostly um, enjoyed it as a game. So I decided to leave that one on the cutting room floor. But Kind of been feeling like it's about time for another episode and an audio journal uh, felt about right. So if you stick with me through this one, I appreciate it. Just an internal uh, monologue, I guess, about some of the stuff I've been thinking and feeling about sport and some of the stuff that's going on uh, with the podcast and making the podcast. So uh, some of you may be aware that you know, this isn't the only podcast I do. I also record the Chaps Chat Cats uh, with my brother Sam and our brother from another mother, uh, Johnny Larkin, which is all about the Geelong Cats in the Aussie rules, um, men's and women's. And that really has, you know, a pretty clear format. It is, um, you know, match preview, match recap, news analysis, that sort of thing. It's you know, mixed in with some banter and humor and silliness. And so it's really kind of got a really distinct form, um, 
which I often find happens when you when you work with other people. The, the the compromise of working with other people and the back and forth between others, you generally find you know you find a form together because you're sort of batting things off each other and saying, "What do you think about this? What if we do this episode? How did that episode feel to you guys? Did that you know did that one feel good? Um, did that one have a good vibe to you?" And you sort of find I guess you all find some sort of middle. Um, the JBSE being a solo endeavor, um, you know, takes some some inner reflection to go, how did I feel about that one? Do I feel like that episode represented what I want to be putting out as a podcast? Um, what do I want to be putting out as a podcast? What sort of things do I want to say? Um, I, I try less to worry about what people want to listen to only because... I guess that's not the point for me. <laughs> not that I don't want people to enjoy the podcast, but as soon as I start thinking about, well, what do people want to hear? Um, then I'm really just serving the market of audience. And, you know, while that, maybe that would get more listens, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't feel like what I want to do. It doesn't feel to me like the purpose of this endeavor. Um but I am still feeling like this podcast is still finding its form, even though I've been doing it for two and a half years. Um, and it's evolved from the Jake Botel football experience into the Jake Botel sports experience. It's still finding its form. It's still finding its feet, it's still, still shaping. Um, I find, and I guess today's topics that I sort of wanted to cover, I haven't really written any notes. As I said, this is more of an audio journal podcast. Um, but I feel like some of the stuff that's on my mind kind of will help uh, find an anchor point for this podcast um, and, and what it's going to offer you as a listener. So we had the USFL draft uh, today, the first round. Uh, 96 players selected uh, by the eight different franchises in this new uh, rejigged um version of the usfl which is sort of a um bit of a spring league with a usfl paint job and people have varying thoughts about this league uh, i'm sort of skeptical as to the longevity of it uh, i think ultimately with the nfl and the xfl seemingly developing a a friendly working relationship um, when the XFL finally hits in 2023, uh, the USFL seems a little outgunned. Uh, I, I sort of joked with someone, it's like, you know, the, the spring the spring football, you know, trying to forge its path and mark its own territory and the USFL sort of, you know, erected a little blanket fort and got some pop guns and then uh, The Rock and Danny Garcia and Redbird Capital came riding over the hill uh, in an NFL-sponsored tank, which is not, you know, specifically accurate. You know, it doesn't seem like there's huge NFL ties. But I think with the way that the NFL has kind of um, lauded over professional football for the last, what, however many years, decades and decades and decades, um, you know, near on a century, I guess, um, and, you know, sort of 60 years in the Super Bowl era. 
I think any sign from the NFL that they are going to work with somebody or allow somebody to exist um, in their shadow and almost with their blessing, when the NFL says, we think this organization has something to offer us, you know, from a perspective of sharing research and development and data and that sort of thing, uh, that's that's a, a seal of approval, uh, I think, for the XFL. Uh, and the, the USFL doesn't really have that. And the USFL feels like it's being held together with pop, uh, with um, scotch tape and popsicle sticks, and it's being thrown together at the last minute. Uh, they've had their draft, and I think we're a month away from first games meant to be starting. Um, it's all sort of coming together at, at a great rush. And I like many people, have been sceptical. I've been somewhat critical at times about the USFL. And, you know, just having some discussions and seeing some back and forth on Twitter today about different draft picks and, you know, oh, this guy was a bust in the NFL or, you know, that guy's no good or whatever. Don't recognize any of these names, which is definitely something, you know, I've said. It, I guess it made me think a little bit about what this means. What does today mean? I could go through and analyze, you know, um, draft pick by draft pick and tell you, you know, well, this guy, you know, Shea Patterson, he played for Michigan for X amount of years and did this and did that. And these were his stats. And this is how I think he can do. Uh, there's plenty of really great accounts out there doing that on Twitter. There's plenty of great podcasts doing that. Plenty of people with uh, greater expertise in scouting and evaluation and analysis of football um, that are doing that. So I would definitely, you know, recommend that you go and follow some of those people. Um, One guy that I've just started following recently, uh, Jeremy at Pope's FFH. That's at capital P-O-P-E-S, capital F, capital F, capital H, um, who's a writer for the SGP Network and Yards Per, um, as well as a bunch of other stuff, um, host of a couple of podcasts, I think, as well. And his work ethic of churning out scouting reports on on NFL prospects this, this season and um, also did some articles about the USFL prospects i'd really like to have jeremy on the podcast at some point um because i'm I'm in awe of his his work ethic so that's somebody i think you should definitely go and follow you should also go and follow pro football alliance on twitter and subscribe to pro football alliance on youtube as well uh there's some good dudes too um who are sort of covering all sorts of things in pro football, NFL, CFL, USFL, XFL. Um, so uh, they're two accounts, two social media uh, personalities. I don't know. However you want to frame it, who you should be going and following and subscribing and having a look at what they're doing. But I guess what I feel like the JBSE um the purpose in my head is looking at the stories. I mean, for uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know what my background is, 
I'm a massive sports fan and also uh, a lot of the work I've done um, in filmmaking uh, has been to do with creative writing, uh, story-based creations. Um, and I guess that's what draws me to sport. I spoke about this on the previous audio journal episode about why was I drawn to stories and then how stories drew me to sport and how reading fiction really um, led to me reading sports writing and why I value sports writers and sports storytellers. And I guess that's where I see this functioning. And so I was thinking about the USFL draft and what it means. What's its story? What's the narrative um, surrounding this pro football league? And I, I guess if we put ourselves in the minds of 96 football players today, um, many of them names that um, a casual American football fan would never have heard of. And even a really ardent NFL fan like myself, uh, I have not heard of the majority of these names. Now, keeping in mind that the majority of these guys had college careers. They had, well, they had high school careers. They had college careers. They've probably been on various NFL squads, CFL squads, Arena League. I don't know. They, they, they've been around in one way, shape, or form. But they've not been able to crack the NFL, you know, or the CFL for many of them. So what does that mean? Where does that leave these 96 young dudes uh, and their hopes of playing football, continuing to play football? It's really interesting when you think about... Um, you know, these, these dudes growing up and thinking, I'm going to play football forever. I'm going to be in the NFL. I'm going to be John Elway. I'm going to be Brett Favre. I'm going to be whoever it was. I'm going to be Lawrence Taylor. I'm going to be Reggie White. And it doesn't happen that way. And the term we throw around a lot is this guy's a bust. You know, that's, that's a term that we throw around for a lot of professional sports. A lot of professional, oh, that guy's a bust. Yeah, no, he never made it at the NFL level. He's a bust. He was no good. Um, important to contextualize, there are 32 NFL franchises that have 54-ish man rosters off the top of my head. Um, so what are we talking about? You know, 16, 1,600 players. And there are 22 starters, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. Um, so we're only talking about what? 22 starting players for 32 squads, a little over 600 players in any given year deemed good enough to start. That's insane. In a country, you know, like America that has over 300, you know, million people or whatever it is, and a, and a planet that has 7.8 billion people that we regard anyone who can't crack that one and a half thousand as a bust, as not good. There's, there's guys out there who never make it in the NFL who might be the single greatest footballer to ever come out 
of whatever small town um, in whatever state they were born in high school. They might have been the best. They might hold all the records for their high school. And we put the bust label on them. We say they weren't good enough. It's interesting to think about. It's fascinating to me to think about. And so what does an opportunity like the USFL look like? I was um, messaging with a friend, Jose, who is a uh, LFA, Liga, what is it, Liga de Football Americano, um, the Mexican Professional Football League. Um, and we are both fans of Fundadores Monterrey. And uh, Jose sent me a message saying, hey, the you know, Fundadores just signed um, this quarterback, Shelton Epler. And I, so I went and basically started to look if I could find some highlights, see what this guy looks like, um, given he's going to play for you know, the team I support in the Mexican League. And you know, I couldn't find a lot on him. And then I, I sort of saw that I think he'd played college up until about 2019 for Northwestern State. And then I found that uh, some highlights of him on his Twitter account um, playing in Denmark, playing professional football in Denmark, uh, the starting quarterback for the AAB 89ers. And it's fascinating to think about that. This dude who's, you know, started out in wherever, I don't know, I think Texas or something, you know, and he goes to college and probably has high ambitions of playing football and, and it's taken him on this winding journey and he's playing now as a starting quarterback in Denmark and now in Mexico. What a journey. I, I can guarantee you that's not how he drew it up. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just a, it's a statement of fact. How many guys in the US growing up playing quarterback at high school or whatever their position is think, you know what, when I'm older, I'm going to get to play professional football in Denmark uh, and then I'm going to go to Mexico. I'm going to get to, you know, travel the world playing quarterback or playing American football in countries where it's not the main sport. No one fantasizes about that. Everyone fantasizes, like I said, about being John Elway or Brett Favre or, you know, that they imagine winning a Super Bowl or, you know, uh, winning NFL MVP or what, whatever. Like, and so you think about all of these dudes, these 96 guys who were drafted on day one. And if you think well, once we get through the whole draft, and I don't know exactly what the roster size is for the USFL, but let's say it's, you know, 40 players, 30 or 40 players or whatever it might be, you know, uh, 40 by eight, 320 players. This is 320 players or, you know, give or take three to 400 players who are getting to play football again or who are getting to continue playing football. Perhaps without the USFL, that opportunity wouldn't exist. And perhaps it'll never get off the ground. Maybe they'll never play a down of football. But it's, it's interesting when you put yourself in the psychology of somebody who has played high school, 
has played college, maybe flirted with the fringes of the NFL or the fringes of the CFL, gets cut, and now you're looking into the void of, well, what am I going to do? You know, I've now got to confront not doing what I thought I would do for a section of my life as a job. What am I going to do? I've put all this time and training and effort and make no mistake, these dudes, um, you know, even at this, you know, at, at the fringes of the NFL, these guys are training insanely hard. They are fitter than you and I. They are, they are busting a gut to try and cling to the dream. And the USFL is essentially a lifeline. At the very least, even if they never play a down, they get through training camp or something and then it never happens, this was an opportunity to spend a month with a bunch of people that you call your teammates again. Which, for some of these guys, they may have felt was never going to happen again. That's pretty insane. You know, in what other profession do we classify you as a failure if you're not one of the 32 best at your job on the planet? That's an insane bar. It's an absolutely insane bar to set for anybody doing anything, doing literally anything. That's nuts. To say that if you didn't make the NFL that you were a bust, I mean, that's incredibly harsh from where I sit. So these are the thoughts that have come up for me about the USFL. And it's made me think about the coaches, maybe, who are having another fling at coaching, quote unquote, pro football. And I'm sure there are a lot of people wrapped up in this who just want the money. You know, the, the investors, Fox, I think, are going to be broadcasting USFL games. Of course, they want money. They don't give a fuck beyond that. They want it to be profitable. They want to, to, to cash in on a spring football niche. They couldn't give a fuck about anything else. Like, that's the main thing. They want it to be successful with ratings so they can make money. But sometimes I think as fans, we get drawn into thinking that way. We get drawn into thinking like networks or thinking like teams. It's a, it's a weird thing in today's day and age where we, we, we're so um, skeptical of everything. It's almost, you're almost viewed as a moron or an idiot. You know, and, and a total imbecile, naive to to think about sport in these terms. You know, to think about the humans behind the helmets, underneath the jerseys, behind the contract. This was a really important night for 96 dudes. And I tell you what, there'll be some guys out there, only, you know, I think every team took two quarterbacks, uh, so that's only, what, 16? I can tell you what, there's a lot more quarterbacks out there who maybe felt that they were good enough and didn't get drafted. Someone mentioned Luis Perez, um, who was a quarterback in both the AAF and the XFL. I think he was on the Rams 
practice squad for a little while. Um, and, you know, he didn't get drafted into the USFL. So there's disappointment as well around, around the world, around the US specifically here going, fuck, I really thought I had a chance to be picked up here. And now where do I go? I guess I go to CFL tryouts or, or you know, like the guys spoke about previously, Shelton Epler, who I would fucking love to have on the podcast. I would love to talk with a guy like um, Shelton Epler, who has, you know, taken this winding football journey and is now taking another winding step um, to play down in Mexico. Like, there's guys who are disappointed today, tonight, who are cut. They didn't get a call, that they didn't get tapped to play in this league. And they're now having to reevaluate. Where can I go? Can I go and play in Japan? Can I go play in Denmark? Um, you know, wherever it may be. You know, European League of Football, Mexico. Do I have to do, am I going to keep doing football? Is this where the rest of my life um, is going to be based or not? Or is this training starting to get a little much for, 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 for too little reward? You know? And that's the, those are tough, tough fucking questions for athletes to ask themselves. They're tough fucking questions for humans to ask themselves. Imagine that. Consider whatever it is you love doing the most. You know, whether you're, I don't know, what do you do? What, if, if you could do anything for a job, what would it be? Would you be a writer? Would you be a pilot? Would you be an actor? You know, consider being an actor. You know, you've got, you go and get your headshots done and you go to audition after audition after audition. And you study and you practice and you learn lines and you perfect accents and emotions and you know, do all that inner work that actors do and, and put yourself out there for people in auditions and you don't get parts. And after a while, you start questioning. You start that, that erosion happens. Is this what I'm meant to be doing? I thought that this would happen more easily when I was a kid. I dreamed of this. Why isn't it? And it starts. The questions. Do I stay at this? Is this what I'm meant to be doing? More importantly, is this what the world is going to allow me to do? I was thinking about the the writer, um, is it David Milch, Deadwood? Let me just um, look that up because it's kind of an important detail. Um, yeah, David Milch, the creator of Deadwood. Uh, you know, what a brilliant writer. Um, one of the great TV shows, Deadwood. And, you know, just an incredibly eloquent, beautiful piece of art, you know, that, that David Milch has created, you know, in this, in this mind of his, this in, in, incredible mind. And the poor fucker has Alzheimer's. You know, he's got Alzheimer's, this cruel fucking disease that 
you know, I have seen glimpses of firsthand. And so there will come a point where he's no able, able, no longer able to do that thing that he loves. You know, to write scripts like Deadwood. Maybe that's already happened. I don't know. I know that they, they wrapped up Deadwood with a film a couple of years ago. But for a lot of people, this time comes where for one reason or another, what you love to do, you're no longer going to be able to do it. And, you know, for all of us, we all like living. <laughs> we all enjoy living. And eventually, we're not going to be able to do that either. That, that, there's, that is a time that confronts us all as well. And across life, we have all these little mini deaths. There's little, the small deaths, you know, relationships, you know, and jobs and passions end too at times. Sometimes it can be cruel. Think about a footballer who is injured to the point where he can no longer play. Tragic accident means he can no longer play. I can think of Ryan Shazier for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know. Horrific spine injury. Thank God he managed to come back and walk, but he was intent. I'm going to come back. I'm going to overcome this and play football. It's not going to happen. It hasn't happened. He's walked away from it. Imagine that. The thing you feel like you're put on the earth to do is taken away from you. And that can happen to all of us in all sorts of ways. For instance, if you just happen to be a quarterback that's not quite good enough to be one of the 32 starters in the NFL, that's not good enough to be one of the 64 quarterbacks in the NFL who is considered a starter or a backup, one of the 96 quarterbacks who's considered not good enough to, you know, if you're not considered good enough to be one of those 96, it's a starter, a backup, or a backup's backup. Like, sometimes the runway runs out quick, and it runs out cruelly. And so I guess this USFL draft has been this invitation for me to think about the athletes as people. And, you know, I've seen some posts on Twitter, people saying, who won the draft? You know, um, you know, which team? Did your team come away having won the first day of USFL draft? And I get it. That's what the media um, machine is driven by. Clicks and likes and follows and subscribes and, you know, at the end of these episodes, I always ask if you'll go and subscribe, you know, to my podcast, etc. It's nice to know people are listening. And yes, that is a form of validation and trying to find your tribe, people who understand what you're trying to say, which we're all looking for. But the biggest winner I could think of when I considered this draft was the players. As I said, whether they ever play a down of USFL football. The fact that these dudes got picked. Some of these guys would, you know, and I'm sure it'd be all different. But some of these dudes would be in sort of, not dark head spaces, but a head space where they're wondering, huh, maybe this is it for me. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm never going to pull on a jersey again. Maybe I'm not going to get told I'm good enough to come and play for a team again. And then tonight happens. And they're picked. They're chosen again. 
and that light burns for a little bit longer. That football life continues for a little bit longer. Now, I don't give anyone like fucking, you know, USFL executives or the Fox executives this pass of like, oh, they're so invested in the human spirit. They want to make money. They want to make money. Maybe there's individuals within some of those organizations who care about this and, and, you know, care about creating football opportunities. I don't know. But I do know that these players, they want to play football. They want to be able to make their living playing football, just like I would like to make my living making podcasts. And one of the hard things for me is thinking about, you know, criticizing players. You know, I, I get uncomfortable analyzing players. Like, I've never played the game. I've never played the game. So it's hard for me to get this guy, you know, and, and I've done it on this podcast. I do it on the Chaps podcast where I say, oh, you know, this player needs to learn this or that. Or, you know, you can see that this player isn't quite switched on in this area of the game. And that's something they're going to have to improve if they want to stay at this level. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, I've not played pro sport. I've watched a lot of sport, and so you pick up on some things. But fuck, like, sometimes I am uncomfortable in the position of a critic. Because what, what right do I have to critique the efforts of others? That's why I don't particularly like film critics. Uh, the, the movie Birdman gave a great fucking line about critics, where, where um, you know, we watch... Um, Michael Keaton, you know, his character in Birdman, slave over this, you know, piece of theater art, you know, across the course of the movie. And then this, this one reviewer, you know, she can basically kill it with one article, one review. And he says, it costs you nothing. Costs you fucking nothing to write that review, saying my play is great or my play, you know, is shit. And it costs me everything. And that's sometimes how I feel when I sit in the position of critic. I feel like that reviewer cost me fucking nothing, really. To say, oh, you know what? Um, you know, Drew Locke, uh, he's a bit of a gunslinger. He's not really good enough to make it in the NFL. You know, he doesn't have the decision making or whatever. The fuck do I know? You know, besides what I, you know, I can see with my own two eyes, but I ha- what have I done to earn the right to critique that guy? who is trying to make his dream come true. And look, I'm going to write more articles. I can guarantee you I will fall into that role of the sports fan slash analyst who analyzes players and teams. I guarantee you I will fall into it. But in an audio format like this, an audio journal, I have to admit at times it makes me uncomfortable when I think about it. I would prefer to share players' stories. I would prefer to highlight their journey. Good, bad, in between, whatever. Because that's the bit that fascinates me about it, really, is the story. It's the people behind it. The people who are trying to do something that they love. Or people working out that, oh, you know, maybe what I think I love isn't what I love. You know, some people walk away from football because they grew up thinking that's what they wanted to do. And then they go, actually, you know, I think of a guy like Andrew Luck who walked away from the Colts, you know, well in his prime, decided I'm done with it. 
I'm walking away. I'm going to do other stuff. And it makes us uncomfortable, I think, sometimes as fans, that stuff. When a player goes, you know what? I decided the game wasn't really all it cracked up to be. I think, yeah, I think there's something uncomfortable about it for, for people when that happens. Same with celebrities when they say, yeah, I got really famous, you know, I won a bunch of awards, got a ton of money for acting in films. And then I just kind of realized it wasn't making me happy because it makes us wonder, shit, when we achieve the thing that we thought would make us happy, what if it doesn't? What if the answer all along was something else? But I guess this whole, yeah, this whole audio journal was really about that. It's about this opportunity for these players and the opportunity for the players who are going to be drafted, the next few hundred players who will be drafted the next couple of days. It's about the fact, I guess, just sharing with you guys, like I'm not always 100% comfortable in the role of, of uh, critic and analyst. I feel much more comfortable in the role of storyteller and interviewer. And, and in a lot of ways, that's the direction I would like to take the podcast. Um, they're my favorite things when, when I create new friendships and relationships and connections with people out there in the real world who are one way or another involved in sports. Um, I love hearing human stories. And I love hearing the stories about the people who are existing in this massive sports world, you know, on the fringe. That's why I would love to speak with a guy like um, Shelton Epler. Because he's existing on the fringe. What's that place like? What's the mindset like? What's the journey like? Maybe it's fucking awesome. You know, people, and, and I think I tend to, to think it would be to an extent. You know, people grow up thinking that the NFL is the be-all and end-all, and if you don't make it, well, you're a bust, and that was shit, you failed. Maybe some of these guys have figured it out. I do, you know, you know whether they're full-time football or not, you know, whether they work part of the year in one job, and then part of the year they're playing, you know, football in Japan, or they're playing football in Europe, or wherever it might be. Maybe it's a great life. Maybe it's absent some of the fucking bullshit corporate pressures from the NFL, which at all costs must, you know, protect its image and at all costs must have elite and total um, studious commitment from its players and coaches at all times. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can't be anything else. You're an NFL footballer. You're an NFL coach. And God forbid you have any interest outside of that. God forbid your performance drops one iota and it in any way tarnishes um, the, 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 the brass of the shield. Maybe it's fucking chill being a quarterback, going and playing in Denmark for a bit, going down to Mexico for a bit. Maybe it's chill being a quarterback going to Brazil or something like that. I don't know. I'd love to speak with some of these people who who have careers in football, whether full-time or part-time, outside of the, um, you know, 
machine that is the NFL, this, this vast, gargantuan war machine that is the NFL, that any sign of weakness gets you thrown out, any sign of poor performance, like, like we said, just over 1,500 athletes, if you're not in that group, then you're considered as not good enough. Doesn't leave a lot of, you know, space, does it? It's not a hell of a lot of opportunity. I think it's good to think about this stuff. I really do. I really do. And how we talk about players and teams and people. Um, and this goes beyond sport. This definitely goes beyond sport. Wow. 40 minutes, guys. 40 minutes. Um, I'm going to wrap this one up. It's awesome to take some time to, to be in your ears again. Thank you so much. Genuinely. Um, from the bottom of my fucking heart um, for, for listening to me rambling on about this stuff. If you've got something out of it, that's awesome. If you haven't, that's okay too. Maybe it just didn't hit the right notes for you today. But if you, if you, yeah, if you picked up what I'm putting down, I'm really glad that you're listening and I'm really glad that you're following and doing sport in the way you're doing it. If you could be so kind as to recommend the podcast to somebody who you think might dig it. Uh, if you go and subscribe and like and all that sort of thing, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter. Um, Twitter's probably the best one. And yeah, come on this journey. This is a winding journey. This is a journey at the fringe of sport. Um, this is the Jake Botel Sports Experience. And thanks so much for listening. <laughs>